the fact that I get on stage and perform in front of people still like floors my parents. Hi, and welcome back to Music at Three Pines, the podcast. My name is Brad Rayleigh, and today's podcast is a conversation with Ordinary Elephant, otherwise known as Pete and Crystal, or sometimes just the elephants. We first met them in 2018, and they played a house show for us that fall. They were named Folk Alliance Artist of the Year for 2017, and if you ever get to see them live, you will understand why. Their sound evokes an older time, yet speaks to current issues. Their use of guitar, banjo, and octave mandolin, combined with insightful lyrics and heart-bending harmonies, make them a joy to hear. The Associated Press named their most recent album, 2019's Honest, one of the best Americana albums of the year, and I could not agree more. But in addition to creating amazing music, these two are simply some of the best humans you could meet. Ordinary Elephant. So... First of all, thank you, by the way, for sitting down and and uh, and uh, you guys uh, picked a good time to buy a house. It seems like, right? Yes, <laughs> it's like we knew or something. No, <laughs> we did not know, but yeah, we're yeah, we're so incredibly thankful that the timing of it worked out the way it did. Because I, yeah. I can't imagine doing this like not having a a place that's attached to the ground, like to kind of nest and yes. <laughs> okay. She's going to nest right now. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, we could have parked our trailer. Like when we've taken time off the road before we, on my parents' property. And I mean, but it's not, it's not like we had a water and a sewer hookup. We just had electricity, but we'd have to go in their house to shower, use bathrooms and yep. cook and all that stuff. And so, I mean, we certainly could have done that, but that would be a lot, like a long time to be <laughs> mingling spaces like that. So yeah, yeah. You know, I was talking to, I did a podcast with Rachel Laven. I think you know Rachel too, mm-hmm. um, and and she's you know in England. Uh, they're touring the UK for another month and then they're moving back. And so I asked her, you know, I was like, what's it like seeing this from overseas? And of course you saw the onset of the pandemic because you guys were in Australia when this all hit, right? I mean, you were, when you left for Australia, I'm sure we had heard word there was something. We knew at that point that there was something out there, but we didn't know the severity. We didn't know how it was going to hit. So um, how, what was that like for you guys? It was, we were worried about it. I mean, we, I was, we were worried about getting on a plane. Like, I mean, we had all of our like Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer and like I like sitting in the airport and on the planes, it was just like, yeah, (laughs) what is on here? You know, it was to that, that point here, but in Australia, the numbers were so low and they weren't shutting anything down or doing anything. So it, it it didn't make sense to to not go you know, right it was it felt like we had put so much time and money into it already it was like well that seems like it right. will be fine there um, and there weren't masks at the time right it was before there was any real it, it would, they didn't know that it was mostly airborne um 
Yeah, it was before they were advocating to right. wear masks. So right. the, only, <laughs> the only person wearing a mask was the very, very sick person on our flight, flight home from Australia, <sighs> sitting in the row right in front of us. Oh, and man. My husband was behind us. And we were like, we're, we're, get, we're going to get it. All right. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get it. Yeah. <laughs> got it just she was coughing. Like, she looked bad. She like, looked real, real bad. Yeah. When, when, uh, do you remember in relationship to when Tom Hanks and his wife caught COVID? Cause they caught it in Australia, didn't they? It was while we were there. Oh, okay. Like, we found out about it while, while we were there. Was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a decade ago, right? I mean, it just seems like forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we were, we were pretty far from where he was. Like uh, eight hours or something. Yeah. But we were definitely nervous. There was there was a, another musician that at this festival we were supposed to play who had a cough at the time, and we were just like, "Yeah, oh, yeah. we were way the more guy, nervous than anyone else. Oh yeah, everyone else there didn't, you know, wasn't that like, oh hey, and like hugging hello and all that, which <laughs> that's what we usually do too. And we're like, right, I'm like, we just flew in from the United States. Like right. I don't. I don't think worried you, about you worried us? about us. Yeah, like, yeah, you should. You're worried about giving them some, and not about them giving us anything, you know. But gosh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the very first time I got, had uh, allergies during the pandemic. <laughs> it was like, it was like, oh my lord! I was just freaking out over, you know, just sniffing and sneezing a little bit. You know, it was nothing, but it's like, you know, nothing is is the same. You know, when especially in those early early couple of weeks. Um, so you guys that I really feel for you, especially cause that's, that's a, that's a really long plane ride for one thing. That's not like, you know, flying from Denver to, to Kansas city, which is normally my kind of, you know, link. That's what 16 hours, 18. Yeah. yeah 16. 16. And that's just that flight, you know, right. And then you had to catch another one from Australia to oh. California and then California to we flew into Texas and then drove from Texas. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. It, it was just, it just seemed so chaotic and just, so I can only imagine it was, it was terrifying for us here, you know, in Fort Collins in our little enclave, you know, and I was just thinking, just having such sympathy for you guys traveling, trying to negotiate all of that, you know, insanity, which is insanity in normal, good, conditions you know yeah. to be traveling that much and to be in airports and airplanes that much um so you guys got back to louisiana to, to your house and uh and kind of it seems like you guys just kind of hunkered down for a little while is that i mean i think that that's what most of us did if we could it's just sort of like you know bar the windows and yeah <laughs> yeah especially i mean for the first two weeks i mean we had just traveled internationally like we felt right. like we needed to quarantine ourselves like we had just been exposed to all of these people in the airport, right. you know, so we were right. very much like, no, we had groceries delivered, like leave them on our porch. Yeah. Didn't see my parents or anything. Um, just like strict quarantine. Yeah. And, I mean, we're still, it's not all that much different now. I mean, we go to the grocery store or the post office and right. otherwise we're down our little gravel road with our cow neighbors away from people. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I, it, so you you're actually have a little. Uh, do you have any property yourself? I'm just kind of curious. Or is it so you've got some? Yeah, we have almost an acre, but we're Ooh. surrounded by, I don't know, twenty 
acres or something that's cow rancher leases. He's he's had it for 20 years or something. We're about a quarter mile down a, a, a dirt a gravel road until there's people neighbors. <laughs> people. So do you have like a post office box at the end of the driveway? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a nice walk to go get the mail <laughs> yeah. and take the garbage the out. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious with you guys, since you've traveled uh, together for so long, how, how long have you done this, this uh, uh, touring out of a van? Our situation is a little different. I, like, so we, in 2014, we sold our house in Texas and just were living on the road. Like we were not full-time musicians. We were doing musicians. We were musicians as a side deal. Right. Both had full-time jobs. Otherwise I quit my job. He kept working full-time remotely and it was more of a, just a lifestyle change. Right. Okay. And then that allowed us to do like for me, especially just not having that, like went from no life of my own to like, Oh, Hey, you can be creative again and write and (laughs) like get into music again, allowed that to, like, oh, hey, maybe this is what we're supposed to be doing, and it allowed us more time and access to all these different places. And we did a lot of open mics and and th- I got to know the music community in a lot of different areas. And then that um, transitioned over to touring how we how we had been. Like but- we switched over from our we had a big like bus kind of motorhome as our house. And then we switched to a, a van and traveled right. together right. Sort of thing in the middle of that. So that was 17. I think that we got the 16 into 16. At the end of 16, we got the van. Yeah. Do, do you think that, that, that <laughs> no, no, that's, that's it. I was just curious if, um, do you think that kind of living together like that on the road and, and moving and everything, um, gave you some skills for, I mean, cause it, it felt like in talking to you guys, I mean, like you're not, you know, you're not just locked into the news. You weren't, you know, watching TV or anything. You're, you're, you're people who read and, and listen to music and, and, you know, spend time with each other that to a certain degree that may have given you some, some skills for managing this pandemic and kind of quarantine. I, I, mean, I guess I'm asking, I'm wondering if that was kind of helpful for you. I mean, it probably did, I guess, but at the same time, I feel like that's just kind of who we are, like, or me, like, I'm very much an introvert, and I am happy to stay home most of the time, you know, like, <laughs> the fact that I get on stage and perform in front of people still, like, floors my parents, just, I was always this really like, yeah. pathologically shy child that did not, hardly spoke, and, right. you know, and I'm, I still, like, when I'm around, I, I enjoyed social interaction and being around people, but it ta- like it zaps my energy. Like, right. I have got to, to have time to reboot. And so it's, I mean, I think it, I guess maybe my, our tendency to not just be these big extroverted people allowed us to, um, that kind of lifestyle to work well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, we haven't had it cable since 2005 or, or, or me oh yeah i hadn't had it since college you know so it's it's been a i i recognized that i didn't feel like that was a good use of my time 
a long time ago before it's gotten to this level of um, insanity. Yep. And, um, and so it's just, and even, even without watching TV, it, it, it's very, it affects us in, without us it being near us, you know, um, just when we're at other people's houses, it, it's, um, a huge distraction like we, if someone there's people that leave their tvs on and that just can't even function <laughs> uh anyway i don't know if that was your question no no that's actually interesting because that, that drives me crazy too but i was i was just thinking about how um I was actually thinking that you guys were socially distanced before it was cool is, is that kind of, <laughs> you need one of those shirts yeah pretty much um have you have you in this um, you know, even in coming back from Australia and kind of managing this, I've been asking people about self-care. Um, have, have you returned to anything or has it been kind of the, the, the tools that you've used on the road that you just sort of have gone to, but you've had your own place to be there? Um, are there any kind of mechanisms or tools or skills that you've kind of taken to kind of manage the stress and anxiety of, of this? I mean, it's been a lot of figuring it out what that really means for us. Cause I feel like when we were traveling, it's so busy. Like you're just going, going, going. Or if you have a little bit of time off, it's not enough time to really delve into anything. And we, we never had, we didn't, we've never toured like we were about to start touring where you go on this big chunk of time and then you come home and you're home. Like, We've literally never done that yet. Like this whole, the whole pandemic has been our first at home yeah. time from touring. Cause even when we would have breaks from shows, we were still somewhere, you know, we were still, mm-hmm. there wasn't this permanent place to always go back to when, which is what we were. And we were craving that we wanted that. And that's why we decided to, to get a place. And so I think we were starting to figure out what, we needed to do to take care of ourselves before the pandemic. And then it was like, here, really figure it out. Like just, you really dive into it. You just, you, you stay home and you figure it out right, right now. I don't know that we figured it out yet. <laughs> I'm real. I guess I'm, I'm realizing a lot of things about myself and how, how I guess it's easy when there's a lot of stuff going on to, to pick out an excuse for why you can't do these things that you want to be doing. Like, Oh, I want to get, become a better guitar player. I want to spend more time reading. I want to do these things that you think are going to make you a better person. And when there's not enough of a dip into downtime, there's always something like, that's why I can't do it. This is why. And it makes you feel better. It's like, okay, that's a reasonable excuse. Right. But having all, all this time you know having more time now to do things like that we still find ourselves not doing those things as much as we would like and before it was always oh if we had the time if we had the time and we had the time and so it shifts the focus to like hey Mm. you're the problem (laughs) like yourself is what we've been what you've been avoiding like you're looking everywhere else except in that you and it's like Mm. oh I'm the common denominator here. <laughs> I am, you know, you gotta, you have to really want to 
do these things and make them a priority mm. and not just keep making yourself feel better by saying, oh, this is why I didn't. As if the intention of wanting to do them is what matters. Like, mm. oh, it, I, I want, here's my list of things that I want to do to become this better, more well-rounded person. And as if saying that or listing them does that. Right. It doesn't matter if you don't do them. <laughs> right. You don't make the time to I think you, do it. You said the word is prioritize mm-hmm. it, because there's never enough time and so you really have to examine what is the priority and and that otherwise if you if you don't pick it your life will just pick it for you or yeah. not your life but other people will or your uh your laziness will or whatever there's a great book um called essentialism by Greg McCown I might McCown be saying that wrong McCown McCown, McCown. McCown. I don't know. He he says it, so we should know. Because um, <laughs> he reads the audio. Yeah, we read. <laughs> we we listened to the audio book. For me, put all of that into into words that hmm. um, that made it, you know, sense. It was like, yeah. oh shit, like yeah, like you, <laughs> it's really evaluating what you're doing and whether it is essential in relation to what hmm. you want to be who you want to be and that that doesn't mean you can't like read a fiction novel like right. all everything can work towards all the self-care works towards what is essential to you because all, so many things at least for us that we want to prioritize and we want to do are not instantly gratifying there mm. there isn't a hmm. checkbox that like the way you know you can do these emails and all this busy work and feel really accomplished when you're at the end because your inbox is empty or whatever and that feels good and so we end up prioritizing that over it because hmm. you get this hit of dopamine at the end that you're like yep uh, look you know i did right. all this when what I really want to be doing is spending these chunks of time practicing guitar or hmm. write like writing and doing these things that aren't you can't walk away from them and be like yep cross off get better at guitar on my list <laughs> right you know you, right. you're not it takes yeah. it's a because you can always get better right always you can right. never mark that off your list we're learning that we need to reframe hmm. things and what you know breaking them down into smaller goals and mm. just, yeah making more a habit versus a, mm. a goal you know like okay my goal is to make a habit of doing this thing mm. instead of my goal is to be better at guitar or be better at banjo whatever it is mm. it's because it's not an attainable but not that it's not attainable. It is always attainable. Mm. You can always mm. be better. So it's, you can never be complete. You can never mark that task off the list. Yeah. And that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't feel good. For you. For- <laughs> it, it, it doesn't give you the, the, it doesn't give you the immediate dopamine hit because yeah. it, I, although at some point I'm sure you're looking back and going, I am better. You know, I, I'm better than I was and that you can get some gratification out of that, but it's not something that you're going to get from playing for five minutes. I mean, that's right. 
Yeah. And it is, it's these little five minutes of time or whatever. They all add up. But it the gains are so small that, it, yeah, it's hard to perceive yeah. them until yeah. later. And then so, it, yeah, it's a vicious cycle because then you don't do it. And then you don't ever <laughs> if you don't do it, then you mm. don't get that uh, being able to see that improvement. So. Well, I'm going to come back to creativity here. I was going to say because I was actually listening to uh, to Honest this morning. Uh, and I hadn't listened to it in a while. And damn, that's a good album. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just every song is just full. Um, and I was thinking about things that I've noticed seeing you guys live and listening to your recordings. But uh, especially with earphones walking around the neighborhood, you know, I could really be focused in on the music. And I was, you know, I was listening to Pete's licks, just these little tasty, Pete, your stuff is always in within the song it's never taken away from it it's never it's just always just really tasty and the two of you your voices together i was also thinking about this that there are people whose harmonies at times get a little um almost cute there's a there can be a cuteness to especially uh groups maybe it's more with three-part harmony i don't know but i was listening especially intently to the harmonies and they're just so intricate and yet at times they're uh, adding a little, you know, tension to the song and then resolving and, and doing those things that, I mean, they're, they're really good. And then finally, Crystal, I was thinking about your voice as a third instrument in there, that you are able to shape words and sounds that, that you actually have a really distinctive voice that is, like I said, a third instrument that really shapes things. When did you guys realize you had all of this? I mean, all of this, the, you know, the, why don't we have this? What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that I, I very much appreciate you, you saying that because for, at least for me, for the singing thing, I have always liked to sing, but as a shy kid, I never, um, like my parents didn't really know that, you know, and they didn't know that I, I would want to do something like that. And I always thought you were born being able to sing like mm. fantastically in tune and all that, you know, these, the people you hear on the radio, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, that they were born that way. That sucks that I, I wasn't, you know, cause I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't sing well, I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't one. I mean, there are people that are naturally just, they just have, right. you know, Right. but it wasn't until I get, I got a guitar and right after I graduated high school. So I was a writer for it. Like I would write poetry and whatever. And then I was like, oh, I think I want these to be songs. And mm. So I got a guitar as a, as a vehicle for songwriting. Not, I was not really very interested in, <laughs> you know, really, truly learning the instrument. It was like, I, I need something because I have to sing these songs. You know? Right. And, but I was incredibly self-conscious of my, of, of singing in front mm. of anyone. And so the first time I actually sang in front of someone was one of my best friends. I learned something, a Sarah McLaughlin song on the piano and, or part of it or something. And I made him sit in the corner facing away from me of course like, he couldn't look at me i couldn't look at him i had i'm sure i was like whisper singing whatever <laughs> and just so incredibly self self-conscious and you know from there i kept doing it because i kept writing and and singing because i was a way to express things and then i didn't get on a stage in front of people until 
2008. Um, wow. I was, that was the first time I went to an open mic and I played a, a jewel song and I'm sure whisper mumbled it into the <laughs> microphone. I'm sure <laughs> not feeling comfortable with, with my abilities at all, but I kept doing, I, I ended up enjoying, it. you know, I got to the point where I did it enough that I enjoyed it. 2010 or something was the first time I ever had voice lessons. Like I realized, mm-hmm. Oh, like, you can learn mm-hmm. to do things with your mouth and your breathing, you know, just all mm-hmm. of these subtle little things that I didn't know how to listen to what uh, I was doing either. And, you know, we'll hear things now that we're like, okay, when we listen back to a demo or something that of a song we're working on, we're like, oh, that, that didn't blend well, or that didn't oh, do gotcha. this well. And we can figure out like, oh, we needed to do this with our mouth or do this you're not, we're not making the same vowel sound. We're singing the same word, but the vowel sound is slightly different or all these subtle things that you just, you realize you can learn. I I didn't, I had never thought about that in terms of harmony, by the way. I mean, that when you guys are singing together, that, that, I mean, that makes, even though I was in choir in high school and I know my choir teacher was doing exactly that when he was, you know, yelling at me in the back row. (laughs) Um, But that 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 makes perfect sense because you you guys really blend really well together. He's the harmony part. Like I'm, I don't. I'm starting to be able to hear them more. Mm. You know, where I can hear something and figure out a harmony, but that does not come naturally to me at all. And he's been such a um, teacher to me mm. too, just with overall musical things, like what you were saying with him what he's playing and just how to take a whole, how to, how to think more about arrangement and right. everything. And so, cause I'm, I'm so lyric focused. I mean, that's my, <laughs> that's yeah. the heart of it for me. And so it's, I've learned to grow out of that bubble and it's fun. You know I mean? I, yeah. I enjoy it. Listen, starting to hear things in a different way and realize how much you can say with the music and the dynamics that, I just never thought about. So, and I'm so the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, <laughs> where I, I didn't listen to lyrics and even, even now, uh, they, they're, they're the second, third, fourth, fifth listen. There's bands where they sound so good that I can't just, I can't even get past that to get to the lyrics. It's, a, it's a challenge for me to understanding why certain lyrics are good, but yeah, we, so we compliment so Pete, did you did you start out on guitar? Did you start out on an instrument or Yeah, I, I started out on guitar and I, I took lessons uh like sixth grade through high school. Wow. And I wish I would have practiced more, but it turned out all right and I'm able to do a lot enough of what I hear that I feel like enhances the yeah. songs. Uh, absolutely banjo i picked up in 2011 and that that really just the voice of the banjo with the guitar was life-changing for me to be able to have it's almost like an an electric guitar in the way that it that one or two notes really just resonates yeah yeah and cuts through the mix Versus two guitars, which is initially yeah. what we were, you know, he was, we were both playing guitar and it, just, it was fine and it was fun, yeah. but it, 
yeah, when he got banned, it was like, whoa. Did you, you had some knowledge of music theory and stuff. And so by switching, you know, I don't know if you'd mess with open tunings, but but the banjo, if you can maybe just explain for people, it normally is tuned in an open tuning. Is that correct? Yeah, it's an open G is like what you would learn at first. And, and banjos, uh, players do employ a lot of alternate tunings, especially Clawhammer players. Um, but I, almost everything that we do is open G. Hmm. When did you take up mandolin and then uh, octave? Uh, mandolin? Yeah, regular mandolin I've had since probably, I don't even know when I got my first one, maybe like 08 or so, 09. And regular mandolin I still find very difficult to play with what I would want to hear. Very unforgiving instrument. Yeah. And the tension's really high, and the sustain is really low. It's 2017, I went to a fiddle camp for mandolin, and Joe K. Walsh was the teacher, who's a brilliant mandolin player. And, and they had just come out with this archtop um, octave mandolin that I have um, from a, a company called Northfield, and he had one and let me try it out. I'd have my eye on them, but they're pretty rare. Uh, Sarah Jarose is mm-hmm. uh, probably the first person I heard to play one. I, I had a hunch that it was going to be good for us, but I didn't know quite until we played it, until I got, and I only needed five minutes to know, like, okay, I got to get this. And then he's like, I, I think I need this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it it felt like a different, just like oh hey, can we get this? He could hear things on there that would yeah. complement, and you know it wasn't just a, like oh this would be fun to have like like we need this really. And yeah, I'm we so, did we did. I mean, I'm so there's so many things that it it just works for yeah. like songs that it works better for than the banjo and ideas that he's come up with. Like, he uh, he's such a melody guy. Just yeah, sit down and come up with all these different melodies all always but i mean when you pick up a different instrument it can mm. can inform you in different ways and mm. i think you he's come up with things on there that it just your hands don't flow that way on a banjo or guitar right. so it wouldn't have do, do you have a sense pete where you learn that that ability to play those you know not too many notes you know, I mean, they're, you're playing a nice little fill that just sort of adds. If I had to take a guess, I have no idea, really. But probably a combination of George Harrison and then, like, I love, absolutely love uh, Chris Thiele, mm. um, but I can't play mm. that. So it's like me playing Chris Thiele's stuff way slower and as and, if you were George ha- Harrison as if I was <laughs> and I was gonna say I think a big part of it is how well he listens mm. like he is an incredibly good listener so let's if you don't mind I want to talk a little bit about songwriting so first of all during this pandemic have you found your creativity to be up or down both okay yeah yes. yeah yes yes <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um yeah, initially it was like you almost felt guilty for being creative. Like, okay, I'm healthy, I'm safe, I have a place to be. Like, great, I have this time to be creative. And like, 
but there are people dying and there are mm. people, I don't know, just kind of letting that be for a little while and then get them. I'm very much a, when there's a span of time, I don't want to waste any of it. Time passing and kind of getting used to the way things were and understanding what what we were feeling that mm. um, that enabled it to open up a little more. And we have, we have written things. And pre- I mean, I'm in a, a monthly songwriting group a monthly prompt kind of deal. And so there's this external accountability to, to turn something in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal, I know you write poetry. I know that's, that, that's been a big part of your expression I've been, for a long time, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you kind of take me through it? You just sort of said that you actually tend to spend a lot of time with, with a song or with an idea by yourself and then you bring it to Pete. Um, and so with that, when I first heard you say something like that, I was assuming it was more that you brought him a poem and said, I want to turn this into music. But now I'm getting the sense that you you are also coming in with at least some kind of a melody idea that you, you, you're hearing. How you get to, is it like you walk in the living room and say, hey, Pete, I have this idea. So put away whatever it is you're doing because we're going to write a song right now. I'm sure it yeah. doesn't happen like it. It No. <laughs> <laughs> I have this song either done or, you know, have all these parts or it's okay. Here's a verse and a chorus or something. Mm. You know, I have a good, Mm. I typically feel fairly comfortable in it before I, I bring it. Songwriting feels so personal Mm. to me. It's still being able to put out the ideas that maybe crap, you know, like these, Mm. it took me a while learned how to, to give myself permission to just, yes the whole yes and like okay what else what else is coming just let Mm -hmm. it no one ever has to read what's on the page it it's that's not the final thing right whereas for a long time i felt like if i was writing it down it had to be good when that that's not the case like that's part of the process just writing down all the things getting them out of your brain and onto a piece of paper and so it took me a while to get to that point of being giving myself permission to do that in front of myself mm. you know mm. and so doing that in front of someone else still feels it's hard for me to be totally just open and and creative mm. even when work you know when i come down with something like all right i have this verse in course or these two verses and do it does it need a bridge does it need a third verse mm. or whatever when we'll sit and work on something, he'll be into it for a while. And then like, okay, he needs to do something else. Like mm. he not get bored with it, but just is can't, <laughs> can't. It's a focus thing. I can't, like I run out of things to think about. Mm. And then, but whereas she can I just can like for an entire day. I think maybe I have like creative ADD or something. <laughs> I don't, I can't focus too long on, things that are creative. I have to be making some kind of progress or I need to move to another aspect or it's just this puzzle and it's still pieces have moved around, but there's still no better picture necessary. Right. But it, right. Yeah. I, I just, I guess I just love it so much. Like I love mm. the, I love figuring it out early on and writing songs. It was like, okay, if I wrote the song and finished it, it's, it's a thing. Like, it's got to come to realize it. No, like you can write it and it can never see the light of day. And that's fine. That's part of right. making this other song better because you did this thing. Or you can pull, like you can pull mm-hmm. lines, you know. There's a newer song we have that I had written the song for this group I'm in. And 
I loved the course. There's this particular line in the course and the chord progression. And I, I really, really liked it. And I wanted to use that, but the rest of the verses I'm like that, that just doesn't, yeah. this is a different song. Right. And so I completely rewrote the verses and part of the course and kept to keep that line and the, the chords. And like, this is what it was meant yeah. for, but I would have never gotten that had it not come out in that other way. Tell me that story again, darling The one where we all end up all right Wasn't it true once upon a time? Wasn't it true once upon a time? I'll keep keeping up with the laundry. You'll keep keeping up with the car. I guess things aren't really changing here.
That song is titled, if you hadn't figured it out yet, Once Upon a Time. Pete and Crystal wrote this back in March, and this recording was from a live stream, so some of you may have heard it already. They sent this to me after we recorded our interview. I then turned to my final three questions. Who is the songwriter who makes your jaw drop? The person that immediately, like, subconsciously just came to my brain was Anna Tivill. Oh. Um, oh, and Justin Farron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Justin. He, for me. God. I was going to say Guy Clark. Yeah. Which is so true, but Justin is just. It's, yeah. It's, like, it's, yeah. From. How many answers can I we know, give? How many? <laughs> yeah. Good job on that. You Obviously, there's no wrong answers in the, you know. Uh, you're awarded full credit for for the first round of the of the game. Um, uh, so so the second question is, uh, and I think I may have an idea for for Pete, but outside music, this kind of outside the genre that you play that informs how you play what or write what you do. I don't know. I mean, I guess for both of us, the like '90s alt rock kind of grunge thing. I mean, we were both into that and i think that without realizing it mm. may mm-hmm. you know influence i can't even listen to it anymore but it definitely I know, but influenced <laughs> who i am for yeah. sure I, don't, I mean i guess i mean some people think of us or like will be like oh if you like bluegrass you know whatever when like he doesn't play scruggs banjo and mm. like we're not bluegrass but mm. no. at all like that is not wow. but so many get called that or put that up, you know, um, yeah. the term will be used. And I mean, we, we like listening to it and I think right. it does inform our music. All right. So the last question and, um, it's changed, but I'll give you the first version and then I'll, I'll adapt it. The question is, do you have a guilty pleasure music is how this started. And then I felt guilty for asking people to feel guilty about music that they like. So it turned into, is there, is there music that you listen to today even that your fans might actually find a little surprising? I think I'm, I probably listen to more kinds of music yeah. than you. I learned a lesson in, from a friend in college, not overtly, but I just noticed how she could really appreciate all kinds of music and at the time, I was probably more in a place where there's this pull to be like, oh, I have better musical tastes than you, or I'm a, an elitist attitude towards music. And uh, she really inspired me to, to at least try to appreciate yeah. and enjoy music, like pop music that, that has I- no soul. There you go. And, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you can... You can you can totally, there's a place for it and you can totally enjoy it. I really like, this may surprise people, but like ambient electronic music. Mm. I mean, it's got to be a certain kind that's not too energetic and has hopefully has a little bit of a melody or just like a, an entrancing quality. Mm-hmm. I can really get into that. I like opera too. Like I haven't listen to this in a while but high school and undergrad like I listen to a lot of classical music a period of time. and I still enjoy it. I, I don't find myself listening to it as much now right. but but I still and if I hear it I I enjoy it you know? I do think there is bad music but 
I think the only other kind of music is good music. Thank you guys so much. It's so good to see you. And, and um, I look forward to you coming back to Colorado and, and um, either at our house or somebody else's house. And uh, Becky and Matt, that was so much fun when you guys yeah. played there. That was just a blast. And struck by everybody I met before we actually met. Because we met, I think it was 2018 in Kansas City. That's when you won uh, Best Folk Musician in the World or something. When I, did. <laughs> I think that's what the word says. Yeah. Right, right. But, you know, our friend Bethel Steele had told us uh, about you. Uh, Emily had told us about you. And so I'd, I'd, everybody who meets you seems to love you and appreciate you as, as friends, as colleagues, as people who encourage them. And so um, I... I thank you for everybody for being such good people. Good to hear. Yeah, and thank you so much. I don't so know because we're so mean to everyone. I don't <laughs> know that. <laughs> thank you so much for having us and for welcoming us into your home a couple years ago. And but yeah, we can't wait to get back up there and hang out with everybody again. Yeah, uh, yeah. We just feel so lucky to to be able to be musicians and yeah, and share art and friendship and community. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the others from our season and share with music-loving friends. And if you have time, leaving a review can help others find our little podcast. I've included the artist info in the podcast details and urge you to order CDs, merch, or send them some support. We need our poets and truth-tellers now more than ever. Hope to see you next time on Music at Three Pines, the podcast. I know that-